let's just get it and be done with it. It's ridiculous to shut everything down. It's a, that's easy for you to say right now because you don't have it. And you're not living with a nurse or a doctor who's going to work every day and killing themselves for 12-hour shifts trying to save people. You're listening to Find the Good News, Episode 77, The Home Team, a COVID-19 Beacon Series conversation featuring Carrie Hankins. Find the Good News is produced by Parker Brand Creative Services, a branding agency that thinks sideways, pushes forward, and gets your brand up. See what else we do at parkerbrandup.com. Today, human beings all over the world are making social and economic sacrifices to stop the spread of the coronavirus pandemic, COVID-19. Now, I'm going back to visit with many of the good newsy guests that helped build the foundation of this show to learn how they're navigating these strange times. In this special Beacon Series episode, I visit with the founder of the Southwest Louisiana Youth Foundation and creator of the Truth, Facts, and Lies Youth Program, Carrie Hankins. Carrie was one of the first people that agreed to be on Find the Good News, another person right here at home that helped get the good news on a solid trajectory right out of the gate. Carrie is the founder of the nonprofit organization, the Southwest Louisiana Youth Foundation, and the creator of the Truth, Facts, and Lies Youth Program but she's also a mother and a nurse practitioner. Carrie is an honest and positive individual and filled with type A energy. So I was very interested to find out how the COVID-19 winter was affecting her normal momentum, her life at home, at work, and her nonprofit programs. It seems that she and her family, like many, are taking it in stride, making the very best of the situation. And most important of all, they are working as a team. She reminds me that we are all in this together, here in our region, in our state, across the country, and throughout the world. With this COVID-19 Beacon Series, I invite you to take a break from the mainstream news and spend some time with good people that are dealing with some of the same struggles you are. Now, seek out that inner space, relax, open your mind, and press play on a little good news. Wake up this morning. Up the story, I can hear the way it's going Cause you're laughing in your sleep On the path to your deliverance In a holy wall of light through the window Old news, bad news, fake news Sometimes you want to shut those signals down and seek a better source. With my Find the Good News Beacon series, I tune into good people doing good works wherever I can find them. I scan across the full spectrum of life, seeking out human beings that have turned their dials towards helping others, aligning their time, resources, and talents with goodness, justice, mercy, and love. In each episode, I sync up with the hearts and minds of my extraordinary guests. We have dynamic conversations that invigorate the mind long after our transmission has ended. I discover the critical life experiences that shape them, the perspectives that drive them, and the fundamental beliefs that have anchored them to a path of goodness. There's a lot of background noise in the world. My name is Oren Parker, and I'm cutting through the static to find the good. Is that your son's hat you said? No, it's my Red oh, it's Sox your hat, Red Sox but he hat. hates okay. the Red Sox. Oh, why does he so hate the I'm Red Sox? Annoying. Because they traded Babe Ruth to the Yankees. 
That was a long time ago. Right? He's still holding a bit of a grudge. And he hates the Red Sox. That is so um, we freaking brought funny. We a Red Sox-Yankees game at Fenway this summer, which is, like, I don't even care about baseball, but to go to a game at Fenway Park is really pretty cool. Um, and that little monster wore a Yankees jersey all through Boston and into Fenway all day long. That's cool that he's into that. You know, it's neat when you see a kid – get into something and they start they start telling you stuff that you're going wow i'm an adult and i had no interest in this and then or maybe i knew about it but only on some surface level but when your kid gets into right. it it's so funny i love it started it. with sandlot he was yeah. not into base he was not into sports at all and two summers ago we were doing a family movie night and i picked the sandlot and he was mad it's not going to be good that's going to be a dumb movie you always pick dumb movies and he became obsessed with the Sandlot and obsessed with all things baseball. Um, and it turns out he's really a great little baseball player. But so no, I've worn a Red Sox hat now for about two weeks straight, and he's annoyed. That's interesting. Eben's kind of like that. He get he got into science, and I mean, you know, in a kind of a broad way. But he really loves earth science, like you know, geology, uh, anything that's got to do with processes like that you know and it's so funny because i'll say something wrong sometimes you know and he'll go well actually dad and he'll <laughs> and he'll jump in i'm like you're freaking nine dude and i asked him i was like where do you store this information at in your head you know but it's interesting because he'll go down these sort of rabbit holes i'm sure your son's like that too where he'll go oh i'm interested in this and then he takes all these little side paths. Well, they keep going because they can continue right. to learn. I mean, they can go, hey, I'm going to go watch a video or I'll seek this information out. And they just can keep following that trail. Whereas when we were young or, or I don't know, I mean, I know we have an age difference between us. But for me, my my knowledge right. ended right. at the library. Encyclopedia, then right. that was it. If I got interested in rockets, well, I had to go to the library to go learn more about rockets. And then, you know, there's a limit to what you can learn to library. There was no like videos right. and, and websites and all this stuff. So it's kind of neat to watch actually. Um, you know, he's, um, he knows players and stats and just, and my husband's not a big baseball guy. So this is all, new for us yeah. we were riding bikes the other day and he said mom you need a helmet and i had my red Sox hat on and i said you don't think my baseball hat would work and he said maybe if it was an astros hat but that trash isn't gonna save you <laughs> <laughs> um so he's taken this astros cheating scandal pretty hard it was a tough blow for him because oh, yeah. he's Davis, um, like his core value, we actually added a section to TFL about identifying your core values and how that influences your boundaries. His is my team above myself. Ah. He's going to sacrifice himself for the betterment of his team or whatever it is. Um, and honorable to a fault. Yeah. And so Astros cheating has really been like a, that's a tough blow. Yeah. Well, I can see that. I mean, it makes sense. You know, I, uh, especially when you're into something and it, it in, in a weird way, I know I've been like that about certain things. Well, like even what industry you're in, you know, if you work yeah. in a field and then you see someone in your field do something uh, like for me, let's say it would be logo copying where someone yeah. maybe in the market would go, you know, they do a logo for another business, but they but but I know that it was copied off of another brand, you know, that isn't in the market. 
it's hard because you go, Ugh, you know, that makes us all look like we all behave that way. And it right. just puts the whole industry in question. I don't know if that's the greatest example, but I, but I have nope, seen that I happen. Understand. Yeah. Next time we talk, we can talk about nurse Halloween costumes and that'll really get me <laughs> rolling. on. <laughs> oh, I know. It makes I- me. I was thinking about that the other day, actually. I was like, once this is all over, this whole COVID-19 winter, the Halloween following that, you know there's going to be, you know, costumes that are in poor taste based on this event. I mean, it's always the way it is. And I thought, you know, is it... Is there, is it going to be okay to do that? And is it okay? You know, I don't know. I mean, you don't want to, I'm not one to tell people to what to do, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, maybe you shouldn't I'm do it though. Dressing like sexy nurses. Cause I can tell you, I could not wear my, do my job wearing a short, tight dress and high heels. Sexy they clearly nurses. haven't spent any time with a nurse if they're going to dress like that. And it's degrading to all the nurses out there who are working their tails off. I have never had a sexy nurse anytime I've ever stayed in the hospital. I always think that's, I always thought that was funny actually, because (laughs) I would go, you know, the last time I had surgery and the nurses would come in to take care of me, it was always some guy, you know, like, and we just talk. I mean, it was like, this is what this is really like. I don't know where all the sexy nurses are in the world. I read an interesting article a while back. Um, It was the husband of a nurse wrote this essay about being married to a nurse and how he's been asked by his friends, oh, like the whole sexy nurse thing. He's like, whatever. My wife does things on a daily basis that gag a maggot. Do you think she comes home and wants to be a sexy nurse? He's like, no, she doesn't take care of me when I'm sick. She's mean. Yeah, I get (laughs) that. I mean, she's dealt with way worse. Yeah, Um, I, I used to work with a guy. Um, many, many years ago. And every time we would cat, I-, I could tell he had a thing. This is a weird conversation we're having. It's so funny what dredges up from your <laughs> memories. But I, I remember, uh, we would, every time we would do a project and we needed like a character is like, Oh, I know the perfect person for this. She'd be, she's got that sexy secretary look. And then I was like, okay. And I didn't think nothing of it. The first, and you know, now and now today's climate, I don't even like saying that out loud, but it's right. like, that was, that was what he it's said. Weird. And so, you know, I thought nothing of it, but then as we would do more projects and he would cast this person in this role and it was like, yeah, she's got that sexy librarian look. And I was like, okay, so <laughs> it's like, you got a thing here, sexy nurse, sexy librarian, everything's a sexy version of, uh, some female at their job. I was right. like, this isn't just a one-time thing. This is sort of a trend. I, I did have an inner chuckle about it, to be honest. Cause I was like, Mm, I think I'm sensing a pattern here. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that's what he's projecting onto the world. Yeah. Oh, man, that's funny. When I'm a nurse, that is not the descriptor I would apply to what's going down to myself or any of my coworkers. Because we are, especially right now, those nurses are just. No, I know. They're in the trenches and, you know, at great risk to themselves and their family. Yeah. They're, They're the front line. Yeah, I think that's something, you know, when you're locked in your home, uh, not when we're not locked in, I shouldn't say that that way. That sounds, you know, but realistically, when you're trying to stay home as much as possible with as little contact with the outside world as you can, it's you're you don't really get to see that front line except through the news or whatever source you're getting your information from. But I know 
for me on Facebook, I'm not seeing as much of that. But when I go on Twitter, which is a wider telescope, I can see a little further out in the world, you know, and seeing what's going on in these other countries and even right here at home. You get a better, for me anyway, getting a visual image of what that looks like. It's it's really, um, God bless them, honestly. I mean, they're the the heroes in this war. I was visiting with a neighbor yesterday who said, you know, I feel like we should all just, we're all going to get it. Let's just get it and be done with it. It's ridiculous to shut everything down. So that's easy for you to say right now because you don't have it. And you're not living with a nurse or a doctor who's going to work every day and killing themselves for 12-hour shifts trying to save people. Right. So out of respect for those people, let's not all get it at once because it's not fair to create a situation when that nurse or doctor can't have the mask or equipment they need so then their health is jeopardized. Because mm-hmm. your health is jeopardized when you go to work right now. But theirs is. Right. And therefore families is well you know Um, even beyond that i mean i i have people that i've been talking to i've really been trying my best to stay in touch with different folks you know throughout this thing because we have these tools we might as well use them as sort of a hub and one perspective that's kind of been nagging at me and it's it's sort of about keeping the all these takeout food places open not that it's not that people shouldn't have access to that. I know it's good for them to be able to go drive through and and get some food or whatever. And I know it helps some of these businesses stay open, which that's, that's good too. I understand that. But when you reverse it and look at the workers, some of those workers as individuals may live in a place with other people, you know, and I know people that that's their situation where, you know, he's a cook, but you know, he's sort of beholden to the protocols of that, um, that food business and, you know, and their rules are, are different than maybe someone else's rules or maybe whoever's running it is running a, a different type of, uh, tightness on that. So right. when he gets off of work, you know, he has to go home and again, I'm not placing blame on those restaurants or anything like that, but I mean, you just don't know. And so he has to go home right. and then do all of this extra prep you know like take the clothes off outside go in take a shower scrub down and then then hope that during that between time where he was interacting with his co-workers that one of them hasn't went out and brought that into the work environment and i'm happy i know it i'm helpless sorry for interrupting the conversation but i have something i need to tell you about You may or may not know this, but this podcast is produced in the city of Sulphur, Louisiana, one of the sister cities that make up Southwest Louisiana. All of my childhood memories are wrapped up in the city of Sulphur. It's my home, and it's been a good home for most of my life. There is a growing diversity of unique businesses, services, and events in Sulphur, each with a rich and colorful story to tell about their particular place in this little jewel on the west side of the Calcasieu River. My mission is to promote good news, to put a positive signal out in the world. That's why my team at Parker Brand Creative Services has created the new brand, Sulphur Today. Here's how it works. Post your Sulphur event, service, photos, videos, or information using the hashtag Sulphur Today. That's it. My team and I will scan and curate those posts through the social media platforms we've put in place. Before you make your post, Just type hashtag, that's a pound sign for the folks that don't know what a hashtag is, 
and the words sulfur today with no space. My team at Parker Brand is monitoring this tag right now, and they're ready to create positive digital curb appeal for our city by sharing all the very best sulfur has to offer through the sulfur today social media pages. As the sulfur today project grows, we will be scheduling interviews and video sessions with businesses, events, and services so they can tell their story of sulfur today in a series of ongoing micro documentaries. Look for the eye-catching sulfur today sign when you're out and about and be ready. We may be stopping by to visit you for a photo op. And don't forget to stop by the Parker Brand Creative Services Studio in Sulphur to grab a Sulphur Today decal for your vehicle or business. We want people visiting our area to know that they can find all the wonderful things we have to offer with ease and be a part of our history by utilizing the Sulphur Today pages or by searching the Sulphur Today hashtag. Do you want to help us tell the story of Sulphur Today? Here's what I need you to do right now. Visit and like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash sulfur today. And be sure to share positive sulfur information and post often using the hashtag sulfur today. Now, back to find the good news. Michael and I were talking about it last night, finding the balance between trying to support these local businesses that mean so much to our community um, and then keeping ourselves and those other workers safe as best we can. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not sure what that balance is or what it looks like, honestly. And me either. I, I find a tip one way one day and then the next day I slide the other way. Yeah. I mean, it's very situational because you can get an opinion about it, but then you go have a, a, an intimate conversation with someone and it completely upends your perspective because you go, well, I hadn't considered like that whole thing about that one, just this one restaurant worker. Right. You know, I, I did that little, you know, a day in the life of in my head. And after visiting with, you know, some other people that live in that home, I was like, man, I hadn't even really thought about that from that perspective, but we're going, oh, it's totally safe. It's great. It's fine. But, man, I don't know. I mean, you're sending everybody into these work environments and then back out. Uh, it's not hermetically sealed, you know? And so... But nothing's ever going to be. No, that's true. So I think as long as we're all doing the best we can and... I don't know. You know me, Pollyanna. I'm hopeful that it's all going to be okay in the end. Sure. And it will be for some of us. That's that's the truth of the matter is that for some it will be, and that's a hard pill to swallow, but that's just life. It's going to be good for some and not for others, you know. Yeah. Um, and that's hard to accept, you know. I've really given my mom, you know, strict instructions because she's got health issues. Yeah. She's the at risk. I need you to stay home. Mm. Yeah. Go to the store. I'll put it on your porch. You can't come around my kids. Don't come around us because I worked last week. Um, so, and I had a patient who was positive. So I'm not clear until Monday. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. So my kids aren't clear until Monday. Um, That's hard. So, yeah. but yeah, like the restaurant worker, I came home. I told my son came running up to give me a hug. It's like, don't touch me. Let me go shower. My clothes went straight into the washer. You know, you scrub down as best you can, and we take every precaution we can at work. And it was a risk I was willing to take, but it's not a risk I'm willing my, willing to expose my mom to. Yeah. So I guess that's my balance is. Now, there, are you going to be going back in at any point to work, or are you on some kind of uh, furlough, or so what's I, going on? 
I'm like their pinch hitter when they're short at the clinic, I go in and work. So okay. I don't have, I don't have any shifts scheduled at the moment. Um, but that doesn't mean that won't change as things escalate. Progress. Yeah. progress. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's a better way to look at it. I'm bad about using those words. Escalate sounds so, uh, volatile. Honest. Um, so we'll see. Um, right now, you know, I'm home with the kids and doing homeschool all day. So it'd be hard. I can't leave them during the day to go to work. So I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, no, I understand. Well, we're kind of, we're, we're at home working. We moved, we did it a week before the order came in because, well, and we really didn't fall in the category because we didn't have enough employees. You know, we were still a small group. So, uh, but we just felt like let's, we talked about it internally and we were like, look, we already had systems in place which we did that years ago in the event that we ever had to evacuate from a hurricane. Right. Michelle and I both worked in the advertising industry during hurricane Rita and Katrina, and it essentially just shut us down. I mean, we, she went to one place. I want to, we worked for the same company. And so everybody in that company had to evacuate different places. And really all we did at that company was make sure that, it was locked up and we all just left. And then we didn't go back to work till we could go back to work. Right. And both of us remembered that. And we were like, you know, if we ever had to face that again, now that we have our own way of doing it and now there's more technology, let's do everything to where all we'd have to do is just unplug our computers and go wherever the whole team had to go. And we could really literally connect back into all of our files. So we really did do that over these past few years. And it let us work remotely with other companies. Um, So it wasn't that big of a a leap for us to just unplug and and move everything away from the office. Um, But we did it a week ahead of time because we started talking about it. I said, you know, I'm still going out getting supplies for my family. They, we were all interacting with other people. We said, we really don't, there's not enough testing to know who does or doesn't have this. Let's just pull the plug this week. I mean, we hadn't had ourselves operating at home four days or five days before it was like, okay, now we're shutting down, you know, other businesses. So, well, I say shutting them down, but you know, it's been, um, you know, you and I kind of talked about this a little bit the other day via text. I have so many things I'm worried about right now that I cannot control. I cannot control what's going to happen with the economy or my nonprofit or my husband's business or my friend's businesses or, anybody's I can't control any of that and I can't control when this ends or whether or not we get it or we don't get it yeah the only thing I can control right now is my kids perception of this yeah and what their memory of this is going to be and so my goal every day and some days I'm better at it than others is to help them have a good day and make us a stronger family because of this Mm. because we're getting to know each other better again because there's nowhere to rush off to um, we're just together. We're riding bikes all day, every day. You know, thank God we live in a big neighborhood because we have put a lot of miles on those bikes this week. <laughs> um, so that, that's my hope in all this, I guess, is that they don't look back on this and think of it as something scary or awful, but look back on it. I'm afraid to use the word adventure to come across as insensitive because that's not how I mean it, but my kids are little. They don't need to be scared right now. Right. They need <clears throat> to know that we're team Hankins and we're going to be okay. Yeah. Um, that's a good piece of advice. I, a couple of months ago, 
you know, I kind of follow the war. I call it a war. I shouldn't call it that. I, I really should just call it what it is, which is the bombardment of Syria uh, by outside forces. And I follow that online. I've been for a long time. And the things I've seen parents do over there, you know, because there's just innocent people caught in the middle of politics right. and, and violence. And they suffer. I mean, they deal with bombs falling on cities where they live daily. You know, water's out, power's out. That's a fear they live with 24 hours a day. And I tried to, I watched some of the videos that these parents make, the things that they do so their kids don't live in fear. Like, you know, making a game out of the sound when it, when a plane flies by, it's a game they play. It's learning to laugh at the sounds that normally would terrify us, like gunfire or explosions. Gosh. And I was just blown away at what these people are doing, these parents, to give their kids some normalcy. what we're doing in perspective. It really does. That's right. That's why I was telling it, because listening to you say that, it, it reminded me of that, that that's our job, right? It's not to not tell them the truth. But we don't have we need to show them how what is the most graceful way to live through a time like this, because when they grow up, whatever they're facing, they can look back and go, oh, now I know how to deal with that with right. grace. My but parents if, didn't have meltdown. They weren't unkind. They didn't yell at each other. Right. Um, <clears throat> right. We watched Frozen 2 the other night, <laughs> which was hilarious. And there's a scene where Olaf has letting little kids put icicles on him or something. Yeah, and he said that this is called controlling the things you can when you can't when everything's out of control. Right, I like that. That's good. <laughs> so that's what we're trying to do. Is you know they have a list of chores because we're Team Hankins, and we, it takes all of us to keep our house up and running. And we're really killing it at PE and recess. Like those are our strong subjects. <laughs> the other ones, man, not so much. Um, but we're we're trying. Yeah, I think for me and Michelle, there's one I, I see that I. I see other people doing different things, and I guess it depends on what you do for a living. We definitely still have work. That was part of us bringing our, you know, our workstations home, and then our employees have work as well. But for us with kids, it's a little different because I am kind of tied to my workstation. But we're trying to make a point. I'd say we're almost on 60% time, if that makes sense, because we know it's yeah. just not normal. I mean, the kids are home. And we can't just ask yeah. them to stare at screens all day like we have to do. So it's like, okay, you got to take a break every couple hours and just take a, a full hour break. Not like a lunch break, but like right. literally because, yeah, go outside. And we did that yesterday. We did a, a middle of the week weekend, you know, and I, I did the same thing for the staff. We had our, our digital morning meeting and it's like, look, we're taking today off. I know we have stuff that we could do, but let's just take a mental health break. And I know that sounds so maybe compared to other people's plight, you know, selfish, maybe why should I get a break when other people don't get a break? But I was like, look, I mean, if we don't do it regularly, you will crack. Right. So maybe not like full blown meltdown, but you're going to have some cracks in your psyche somewhere along the way. My sister, who's, you know, always so brilliant, but she's a licensed counselor. And if I'm upset or complain about something, I'm always like, I, I shouldn't complain about this. I have such a nice life. I shouldn't complain about this. This is not a big deal. First world problem. And she told me one day, she goes, yeah, it is a first world problem, but it doesn't mean it's not a problem. And it's okay to vent about it. And it's okay to take care of yourself. And it's okay to talk about it with someone else. Yeah. 
Um, and so that made me feel a little bit better. And yeah, while we still, in the grand scheme of things, lead very charmed lives and we're able to be home with our kids and work around and kind of try to find a balance, it doesn't mean it's not hard and it doesn't mean we don't want to step away from it and just go outside with our kids for a little while or go sit in my room by myself for a little while with a book. Right. Because I can't. I can't teach fractions anymore. Oh, God, I understand exactly what you're saying. I was actually telling uh, one of my coworkers that this morning. I said, you know, going through this as a single person, or not even a single person, but somebody that doesn't have dependents like children or even um, nieces, nephews, grandchildren, all those things must be completely different, you know, because she has um, sort of like a surplus of time to herself. You know what I mean? And so she's like, yeah, I mean, I have all this time. Like I can go sit on the porch and do nothing. And it's totally quiet. I was like, yeah, for me and probably you too. It's like that, that what you just said, finding time with just a book. I don't know. Cause I feel like, well, I got to go give my kids my attention too. you know, during this time I've been working now I need to go give my attention and me and Michelle, you know, it's like, we barely have time for each other during this. Cause there's all this other stuff to do. And, uh, yeah. so finding that for yourself is it's healthy, but it's so difficult. I find cause you know, you don't want your kids just, I just don't want them locked down. I don't want them to feel like Mickey Smith and I were talking about this yesterday. Actually, I don't, we don't, neither of us really like the word social distancing because it's almost, um, insidious because it, it almost sounds like to not connect. Like you and I are not being socially distant right now. Right. You know, but the word implies something that is not really what needs to happen. We actually just need to be physically dif- distant, but we use the word social because it, well, you know, social, we're all collective and I get it, but I almost wish we hadn't have used the term because it plants this weird little seed in your head that we shouldn't be connecting with anyone right now. And it that we should all just stay home and in our little prisons of our house, you know, the word itself implies something that uh, isn't really really the truth. And I even watched um, the World Health Organization yesterday. One of their scientists actually said that. She said, we need to be clear. We're not asked. We have all these wonderful communication tools now, so we do not have to be socially distant. We just need people to be physically distant. And I was so happy to hear somebody yeah. else in authority kind of say that because I think that's mentally unhealthy to feel like you're socially distant from everybody. I mean, that's a, a sign of, of a mental disorder right there when you're like, yeah, I'm just socially distant all the time. Well, you might need to go see a counselor if you're socially <laughs> distant all the time, you know? Uh, yesterday was my middle son's 10th birthday. Wow. And so we tried our best to make it, you know, as special as the day as we could. I am not proficient in the kitchen. And this was the first ever birthday cake I've had to make for my child. Um, wow. It was marginal at best, but we did it. Um, but his sweet friends, their parents, four of them drove from, you know, four corners of the city. And we live way out south of town. And they met and caravaned in front of our house with their kids coming out of the sunroof, beating pots with spoons to tell them happy birthday. How awesome. And I stood on the porch and cried because. Touching. Yeah, like that's. That's what matters. Look at these people who drove across town today just to tell you we love you and we're glad you were born today. Yeah. Um, and to make day not a bummer for him. Um, so I've been impressed to see all the ways people 
still connect, I guess. My daughter was laying in the grass at the end of our driveway last night talking to the little girl across the street who was laying in her grass. How neat is that? Uh, so, yeah, I'm with you. It's physical distancing, not... Yeah. I think I'm closer to two of my friends over the past week and a half than we ever would have been had this not been imposed because we, are, we have a constant text feed just sharing nothing. Like the yeah. stupid minutia of our days. Yeah, I mean... That's actually kind of beautiful. That's the beautiful side effect of this. It's kind of what I've been experiencing, honestly, just pointing these tools of this show at, in that direction and saying, oh, I don't, I can go, I can still talk to people. You know, I, I don't have to bring it. We don't have to be face to face in the office. We have the tools, you know, and it's honestly nice. I mean, really, really just the video element alone. And I know the listeners aren't going to be able to see this, but just being able to see your face you know, and know you're right there. It's neat. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a cool experience, yeah. you know, to, to see you, the nuances of your body language and see you smile and all those little things that we, we almost take for granted every day, you know? Um, we live and we're really fortunate. We live in a really cool neighborhood with tons of kids and all our neighbors, I don't know if you've seen it on Facebook, they're putting teddy bears and stuffed animals in the windows. So you're going out with your family at night and going on this stupid stuffed animal scavenger hunt. Yeah. And everybody decorated their driveways with chalk. And all of my neighbors are outside every day. The, we have an elderly man who lives next door, and he has created a shooting gun shooting game with my six-year-old. And so every time Everett rides by on his bike, my neighbors goes, pow, pow. And they <laughs> pretend they're in a gun battle. <laughs> Have you, um, um, and he falls down in his grass and Everett thinks it's the most hilarious thing ever. And that would, would um, that have happened otherwise? Right. I mean, you know, like in that, no, like he's always been friendly, but it's never been, we've never had gun battles, you know, imaginary gun battles in the street before. And so yeah. now other neighbors are chiming in and playing with him as well. And it's this big thing now on our street with my six year old, yeah. um, so I'm amazed at the way the adults are trying to make this okay for kids. Yeah. I hope that that continues too. the longer it goes on. You know, I hope I, I do hope the adults are really taking care of themselves, honestly, the best they can mentally, and, you know, and even physically too. I mean, being locked in, you know, if you're not going anywhere, like we're going to go on a hike Saturday and I, I know some people frown on it, but it's so socially distant. I mean, I run into no right. human beings. I mean, it's just the forest. We're going on a hike. And then um, we've been trying to go to the parks and stuff and just lay a blanket out in the sun and are under a tree. We did that yesterday for our little middle of the week break and just threw the Frisbee with the boys and threw a ball. And we talked and we, you know, Eben rode his scooter around and it was just a, a good, I mean, four or five hours of that. You know, and it was really yeah. healthy. If I came back feeling like, oh man, this was so good, I needed it, like starving for that, uh, that space. You know, my sister lives in our neighborhood, and so she and her daughter will ride over on their bikes, and because I feel okay if we're all outside on bikes, we're still six feet apart, but there's still some connection there. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, I, you know, I, have you had, you know, I was going to ask you this, have you had any connection with any of your students that you've taught? You know, I know you have connections with a lot of the kids. 
No, I haven't. And I'm so curious. I'm heartbroken for our seniors. And I know first world problems, but I just think of those big life events that you've looked forward to for years, your senior prom and your graduation, your senior trip, and those are all being taken away. And when you look at the developmental stage of someone that age, that's a really crushing thing. So I worry about them and I hope, um, I hope they're doing okay. Um, yeah. and finding ways to still connect with their friends. Cause I do feel like that generation is just naturally more isolated than the rest of us, just because they haven't had to connect the way the rest of us have. Um, so I, I worry about them. I wonder how they are. Yeah, I do too. I hope that as a society, a civilized society that will recognize those things and not just truck along once this is all over. That's my big fear. I don't know if it's a fear, But it's definitely something I kind of have a secret hope for is that we don't just get back to normal. I think that might. I was thinking the same thing last night. Really? This is a good wake up call for us to not go back to what we were doing. Yeah. Um, I feel like my, I've never been closer to my kids than I have been over these past couple of weeks. And it's, my kids don't have social media anyway. So, but we are in a lot of activities and suddenly we don't have anywhere to be, but with each other. Yeah. So rather than bringing my to baseball, I'm playing baseball in the front yard with them, which yeah. is atrocious, but we're doing it. Um, <laughs> so I don't know. I don't want to lose that connection and when everything goes back to normal. And I'm happy. I know it. I'm I hate to pause the program, but I want to ask you something. Did you know that you can help me and my team at Parker Brand Creative Services grow the Find the Good News signal? For less than a fancy cup of coffee, you can become an Early Risers Club patron on our Patreon page. What's Patreon? Well, it's a way for creators to fund their projects by pooling support from those really passionate people that believe in what they're doing. Do you believe in what we're doing with Find the Good News? I hope you do. We believe that there's already enough negative news in the world, even right here at home, and that good people doing good works deserve a platform to speak from too. That's why we created Find the Good News, and we believe in that simple mission. Maybe you believe in it too. If you do believe in finding and sharing good news, then head over to our Patreon page right now or check out the link in the show description. For a commitment of $3.33 a month, you can join the Early Risers Club of Find the Good News Patreon supporters and get access to the B-Sides, a patrons-only podcast with the crew behind Find the Good News, Parker Brand Creative Services. Each time we level up, the Patreon rewards will get bigger. If you're tired of old news, bad news, and fake news, help support Find the Good News at patreon.com slash findthegoodnews. That's patreon.com slash findthegoodnews. Now, back to the episode. Yeah, I um, I was watching that World Health Organization video, and one of the scientists uh, he called for a global ceasefire completely. All all conflicts, just calling for the world to just lay down arms during this time. And I really just started contemplating the gravity of his words. I was like, you know, if if and I know war is so complicated, but I thought this would be such a wonderful time for us to just stop. You know, and stop because we're already there's people are already dying and more are going to die anyway. Just lay it down so we can deal with this together. 
And that's right. just that it's almost like a dream for the human race to be able to lay down your violence and conflicts and work together against a common threat. That isn't some kind of violence. You know, it's not a common threat of missiles. It's not a common threat of an army right. at your border. It's just a, a common threat to our whole species. And it would be beautiful if we could do that. And that would be the great gift of this whole thing, I think. The new normal is that we approach everything this way. If we're if, whether it's pollution, the you know, environmental changes, hunger, let's approach those things in solidarity instead of greed. But my, I do fear because there is that language out there that's like, we're going to get the economy kicked back off. It's just going to start trucking along and get back to normal. And I'm like, man, that might not be the engine we need in this car in the form that it was before. Maybe, maybe we need a Tesla now, you know, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I know it's a weird way to put it, but maybe, maybe it's time, right? I mean, just let's, some adjustments, some adjustments to the way we can do it. We can still drive a car, but let's just make it a different, you know, I don't, I don't know. I think we're ready. I hope, I know a lot of people are ready for that and hungering for that. Like at our house, you know, we've always recycled and tried not to be wasteful, but through all this, it's taking it to a whole new level of doing more with less. Yeah. And being so cautious about how I use our food and our toilet paper and yes. our paper towels. Um, it's not unlimited anymore. Well, you know, that's the interesting thing. I was, I, I've always been funny about food waste and I don't know why. I mean, I eat my fair share. I'm not some, a small guy, but I don't waste. And that's probably why I'm not a small guy. I think I talked about this with another guest <laughs> because I, I don't waste food that's on my plate. If it was put on my plate, I'm going to eat everything that's on my plate. I'm not a, oh, I'm full. Let me push this away because a lot of times leftovers don't get eaten. You know, and I'll say yeah. in our home that happens more than I'm happy with, and so this is really tightened the screws Not on anymore, that. Huh? No, I mean yeah. like I cooked hamburgers. I throw a ton of food every week until now. We're For eating. Sure. Yeah, I mean the boys will do that too. Don't have to. Last Evan's really bad about it, and I, I he knows I don't like it. He can tell I'm there's a disappointment in my the way I act whenever he doesn't finish what he's got on his plate, but. Last night he wasn't finishing something, and I mean, I pestered him till he ate every bite. I was like, "You got to finish it. I'm not taking this plate in there and wasting this. You're not. You're not doing that. That's, maybe that's another good thing that will maybe appreciate our resources a little more." I, we've just been more mindful of what's in the fridge. Like, I'm not going to cook another meal tonight because we've got leftover spaghetti and leftover soup. So we're going to eat that tonight. Right. And I know you've had it twice, but we're going to finish it tonight. Yeah, because we're not going <clears> to waste. I'm just not going to waste it. Um, right. The other thing that I think has been interesting is seeing the creativity in my kids and mm. the way they filled their time. Yeah. Because sometimes I feel like when we're always so busy and, you know, even if it's not extracurriculars, it's access to a phone or a computer or a tablet, whatever it is, nobody has downtime. So there's no time to be creative because you never have a chance to be bored. Right. And you can't be creative if you're not bored for a minute. That's right. Um, so it's been interesting seeing the art projects that they've pulled together and just the games they've created. And I hope that they are closer as siblings when all this is over because the only people they get to play with are each other. Right. Uh, but I, I don't know. So I hope those things stay when we do go back to whatever normal is. I hope these habits that we're making now are lasting. Yeah. 
you're already a very thoughtful person. I mean, I know you're a deep thinker too. So I, I imagine you probably have had all kinds of thoughts about what's going on. I mean, and probably when it first started being a nurse, you, you probably had a little bit more of a precautious nature and a prepared mindset. Not. Really? I was not worried at all. I was like, oh, my gosh, it's going to be fine. <laughs> Were you really? It's going to be fine. Yes, because I'm like that with everything. Everything's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. Yeah. Um, I was not worried at all. Um, about two days before school was canceled, I started talking to a friend who's a physician, and I kind of started reading a little more. I called her. I was like what do you think about this? I've been to the CDC website. There's not a lot of great information. What do you think? And she had done a bunch of research and it was like somebody took my blinders off. Wow. Really? And I thought, oh, Man. which is why the Hankins are rationing toilet paper because I didn't buy any before all this. Interesting. I, um, it's funny because I, I guess it all depends. A lot of it could come down to the way we're raised too. Like I grew up, my dad was in the Marine Corps, and, and he's a Vietnam vet, and he was always kind of a, I won't call him a survivalist guy because he wasn't like that, but dad was always more of a like, okay, when there's an emergency, we're going to get it done. I mean, he might have fiddled around with some things, but when it came to emergencies, he was really good at getting things together for that. And I think some of that for me comes from the types of entertainment that I consumed at a young age. And a lot of it had this sort of apocalyptic tone. It wasn't always a virus, but there was always a, especially right. with science fiction, there was always a nuclear war or there was a chemical leak that something happened or there was a virus. And I would just, we watched a ton of that. My dad owned a video store. So I was consuming oh, things yeah. like that all the time. And then I started reading pocketbooks. My dad liked pocketbooks. Started reading pocketbooks while I'm reading the ones he's buying, and that's the beginning of every story. A uh, virus wiped out half of humanity, and you know now the strong survive. It was all this stuff. So I had a high interest, and I think it wired my mind to think like that. So even though it's all fantasy, there was always this predisposition to that type of thing. It was really interesting. I don't know. I've watched my mind through these types of situations, whether it was a hurricane or even an ice storm, anything like my mind immediately uh, picks up on weird little things and goes, oh, better watch that. Even if it's nothing. I don't know why I'm like, like there's a volcano that went off today and, you know, whatever. Oh, I better watch that. Or there's a wildfire. I better watch that. Like my brain just keys in on it really quickly. And start subprogramming, you know, and making these little checklists in the background while I'm trying to live a normal life. <laughs> I, um, it's so odd because I'm such a planner in so many facets of my life and so type A and controlling. Um, but when it comes to things like this, I'm just kind of take it as it comes and yeah. we're going to power through and we're going to yeah. make the best of it. But I tend to not worry about it until it's go time. Yeah. Um, but when it's go time, you kick in and you know what to do, right? Like you go, okay, yeah, it's go yeah, time yeah. now. Yeah. Uh, and maybe that's cause I've got a great team around me. I mean, my husband should yeah. be sainted because he's fixed my life so that I don't have to worry about things. I just kind of get to, I don't know, do me. Yeah. Um, 
It's so, interesting. It, it reminds me of uh, what you what you just said. Actually, reminds me of something else of my dad. And I've told this story before, but when we were in high school, he, me, and my buddies were hanging out, and we had just got through boarding up. He had turned his video store into a hurricane shelter, so we'd been working all day boarding the windows and putting water and supplies and beds all over the floor. And it was late the night before, and we were all sweaty and tired and hanging out. And my dad, because we had movies around, you know, action heroes and stuff. And he goes, so uh, if you had to put your ideal team together to survive a difficult situation, who would that team be? You know, who would the five people be? And, you know, we're all naming all these action stars like uh, Bruce Willis and, you know, Steven Seagal and, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger. And we're putting all these little teams together and he's just looking at us disappointingly and he's just shaking his head you know and he goes not a single one of y'all put your name on your own list and we were all like oh man and he goes if you can't put your name on your own team's list then you need to make yourself into the person that can be on that list and it was a big life lesson it was like damn man like I got to be ready to be on my own team. And you talking about the team makes me think about that. Like I also, I want a good team, but I also want to be a good team member. And that's good. That's good. I like that you, you are able to constantly telling my kids that your team Hankins, you have to have each other's back. You can't throw each other, each other under the bus. You know, you stick up for each other. Cause if you can't count on your family to do that, who can you count on? That's a good piece uh, of advice. I like that, Carrie. Yeah, I mean, you're on Team Hankins. I like that. And, and you know, it, it kind of reminds me of sometimes when, uh, you know, even with my children, I've given when I give them criticism or something, and I don't mean like being critical in a bad right. way, but criticism that's generally healthy, and they get offended. I go, hey, hey, hold on a second. Who's your advocate here? Who cares about you? Whose team am I on? I'm on your team. Just remember when I'm talking to you, I'm not beating you up because you're on my team. You know, I tell uh, my kids all the time when we, you know, we have to, when I have to come down on them for something, my goal is to make you a good grown up. I don't care if you were the most popular kid in sixth grade. Yeah. I want you to have a happy, happy childhood because that often sets you up to have a happy adulthood when we don't have adverse childhood experiences. But my goal is to be a good grown up. Yeah. Well, and so we have to do what it takes now to practice that because you yeah. don't just poof one day turn into a good grown up. Yeah, you're right. You got to, that's, I tell my, God, it's interesting. Very similar. I tell my kids, my most, my biggest goal is that you grow up and that you develop a good heart. I want your heart. And I mean, when I say heart, it's very similar, a multidimensional being in a lot of good ways. I don't want you to have trauma and hardship and have negative memories of childhood or anything. I don't want you to go to bed when you're an adult and hear me hollering at you in your sleep if that makes any sense i don't want to be a, oh, i don't want to be right. a demon in your life for the rest of your life i want to be an influence of good yeah yeah but sometimes the cheerleaders got to tell you when you're doing something wrong because you have to be a good grown-up yeah yeah and we're navigating that still i mean i'm still navigating trying to be a good grown-up my goodness i mean i'm 45 i'm still learning how to be a good adult and human being you know <laughs> yes. For real. Yeah. I think the day anybody feels like they've got it locked down, they're delusional. Yeah. Because there's always something new for us to learn or appreciate or do better. Yeah. Um, How do you see yourself on the other side of this? I mean, truth, facts, and lies, and your um, 
the Southwest Louisiana Youth Foundation, and those things you're involved with, how do you see those things changing? Do you have have you been thinking about that? Like what this is going to oh, do yeah. for that? Um, I mean, not just for my own nonprofit, but for everyone's nonprofits. When people are economically struggling, donations are going to be the first thing to hit, get on, put on the chopping block. So sure. I think we're going to see a lot of nonprofits struggling. Um, luckily, we've been really careful with our budget. So I've got enough in our account that we can keep the program running for a year. If nobody gives me anything, we're good for a year. Um, you know, we, I'm looking ahead to our big fundraiser that we usually do in August. Yeah. And that's how we fund our school program and thinking, I don't feel right about asking businesses to donate a prize for bingo. I don't feel right about asking someone to buy a hundred dollar ticket to an event. Um, yeah. So, you know, we're going to look at whether or not the timing is right or do we skip this year and fall back on what we've saved to keep this going. Um, so I worry for our nonprofits. Yeah. Cause they're going to get hit hard for this. Um, you know, the program will still be there. Um, and we're always editing. We were supposed to present at several conferences. My sister said it was like our, um, stadium tour and she was going to get us concert t-shirts to wear (laughs) because we have so many conferences to go present at and they've all been canceled. So that's kind of disappointing because it was going to be our chance to share what we've done and what has really been so impactful in a lot of teenagers lives. Um, so I don't know. We'll see. But yeah. I do worry for the nonprofits. I understand that. I mean, I've got similar fears because a lot of my clients are connected to event, the event industry, what in broad scope and travel too. So yeah, this is definitely hitting us in the same way. And so I'm, you know, trying to think about the future as well. And it's like, okay, you know, what are we going to do post this to make ourselves more viable in different arenas, you know, in different areas. I mean, because every industry is feeling it right now, unless you're in the toilet paper industry or the, you know, <laughs> PPE or sanitiz- sanitizing business and right. all those things. Don't are, you wish your last name was Charmin right now? I mean, right. But on the at the same, on, on the same token, I was like, yeah, that's all well and good. And that that's tied to the old economy. I'm like, what can I start doing? And I don't know the answer to that yet, but what can I do? That's tied to the new economy. And I don't even know what I mean when I say the new economy, but somewhere inside of me, I just have this feeling that there's just this new economy that could emerge out of this. And it's going to be more towards helping people. I really think, I hope and pray that those in power don't have full say over this new economy that emerges out of this. I hope that people really do just willfully make some kind of shift and say, no, we're not doing this anymore this way. Because if we just rebuild the same old world, you know, I don't know enough about, you know, global economics to have an educated opinion on this. I do know healthcare. And one thing that I think has been interesting and I hope changes or stays changed after this is so many people go to the emergency room or urgent care because they've had a runny nose for two hours. Yeah. And that affects our insurance cost because mm-hmm. we are paying for that. Um, and I think people are learning through this, Oh wait, I didn't have to go in for that. And so hopefully people will walk away from this feeling a little bit more empowered to stay home when it's not actually emergent or urgent. Yeah. You don't have to go to the doctor because you have a cold. That's okay. You don't have to go because you have a, a stubbed toe. And I don't want right. anybody to hear this and take medical advice and think I'm saying, 
don't go to the doctor if you're sick because that's not it. But I do see a ton of people running in and I care for them when it's stuff that really 10 years ago you would have stayed home for. Sure. You wouldn't have gone in for that. And that affects everyone's health care costs. Um, so I hope that, you know, I hope that people learning to stay home right now teaches them, you know, two hours of sniffles probably doesn't need to go to the urgent care today. Yeah, I'm, I, I have a doctors and owners everywhere are probably cringing because they hear me saying this. Well, no, I understand what you mean. I mean, two things that I take away from that, what you're saying. One is, I think, well, let me just back up. I mean, for my industry, I see billboards all the time that have, you know, the archetype of a local worker, a guy in a Nomex and a hard hat with a thermometer in his mouth, and he's got bags under his eyes and a big red nose. And it's like... Be- our urgent care because you have to work. I don't like those billboards and I get what they're doing. They're like, Hey, you got to get back to the job, man. So come on in and we'll fix you up. We'll get you that steroid shot and you're back to business. You know what I'm saying? And I, I don't like that. Not, not a slide on the people who run those ads. I get why they're doing that. I'm, I'm saying, I'm hoping that maybe we can have more elastic compassion in this world after this to where we're not just treating people like, you know, hammers and nails, you know, and we're like, Hey, you're a nail. I gotta, I gotta hammer you into this wood. So you better get back over here quick as you can. So I can smack you on the head again. I wish we had more elastic compassion to go, Hey, somebody's actually really sick and it's okay for them to take the time they need to get better. Stay home for a minute. Stay home for a minute. You do not have to rush to the ER or the urgent care because you're going to lose your job over this. Because we don't really have elastic compassion in this society. Not really. And I also think the other, the second point, I'm, I'm hoping that this time will allow people to really start paying more attention to how they feel. Like, I can tell you what my baseline of feel good is, if that makes any sense. I mean, I know... Yeah. I know when I feel good, there are some people that don't have, they're really, they're going so fast that they really don't have a good two fingers on the pulse of what they feel like. Even they don't know whether they feel good or bad because they always feel tired because life is making them tired because they're running all all the time. It would allow if there was more self elastic compassion, then you could go, okay, I can get in touch tune with how I feel for a longer period of time. That way I know when I actually feel bad, like I go, okay, I'm feeling not just a little bad. I'm off my way off what's good. And I know that I need to see a doctor, you know, versus the sniffles, like you're putting it. So I don't think what you're saying is bad at all. Cause I'm, yeah, it's overwhelming to the system. I think just maybe there'll just be a general tone, but I'm, I'm, I will say this. I'm not hearing that from any of the leadership in the world right now, but I think people, I'm hoping people will become more elastic in that regard. I also like that everyone has now been educated on what a virus is and we can't make a virus go away with antibiotics. Cause that's one of the big things I deal with when people come in to see me in the clinic, they have a cold or the flu and they want an antibiotic shot to make it go away. And I can talk until I'm blue in the face, but nobody believes me when I say you have a virus, it's going to go away on its own. This antibiotic's not going to work. They want that antibiotic. And it's why we see so much antibiotic resistance. Um, And you can't talk people out of it. So I'm hopeful with this huge conversation about a virus, everyone will, the takeaway will be, oh yeah, they can't fix a virus. So next time your provider says it's a virus, it'll go away on its own. We'll start believing them and not demanding 
an antibiotic fix. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I get that. I mean, heck, on another note, I mean, even that, I mean, all the antibiotics we inject in our store-bought food, you know, it's just, it, it, that's further pumping that into our bodies. I don't know. I mean, I, that is interesting. I, I do would like to see a less antiseptic world, out, you know, in a way to where we get exposed a little bit to a little more out there, you know, um, again, like you said, not just constantly pumping ourselves with antibiotics every single time we have something, anything. Right. Yeah. Um, I worry about the unintended consequence of all this antibacterial wipe and soap and everything. Are we creating some major super bug that then we have to deal with that? I yeah. don't have an antibiotic that's going to fix. So, you know, that's on my, my list of things I can't control yeah. at the moment. Yeah. Those are the um, adult fears that we have to worry about. Not, right. uh, you know, we don't want our young children to be thinking about what's next. You know, is this going to be, you know, what I don't want this to, to be like is where this becomes every year. Oh, every year we've got the new, the virus of the year, you know, and now we're locked down again. It'll be like hurricanes, you know, it's like next superstorm. I don't want it to be like that. I definitely don't need want hurricane that. season to take it easy this year. <laughs> I feel like we've had enough. No big hurricanes. Right. Well, I was even listening. I listened to several podcasts and a lot of them come out of California. And, you know, they were saying how one of them recently was just saying how the wildfire thing, it's crazy how that's normalized in their minds. He said, even right. in his mind, he's like, yeah, you just kind of go, yeah, well, I mean, when's that going to happen this year? You know, it's gotten right. to that point. Yeah. And that's not a good thing that you want to have normalized, you know, these massive wildfires. And I'm happy. I know this episode's Fishing for Goodies Fishbowl sponsor is Brimstone Museum and Henning Cultural Center in Sulphur, Louisiana. I don't know what you look for when you travel, but one of the things I look for when I'm putting together my itinerary is a unique museum or gallery in the city I'm traveling to. I do this almost every time I go to a new city, but if I'm being honest, I'm guilty of not always doing that very thing right here at home in Sulphur, Louisiana. That's really a shame because we have one of the most interesting, historically relevant, and culturally rich corners in any city in the country about two minutes from where I'm sitting right now. I'm talking about the Brimstone Museum and Henning Cultural Center. Have you ever really thought about why our city is named Sulphur? They've got a permanent exhibit on the history of the sulphur industry that answers that simple question and more. You really get a full scope of just how important the sulphur mining industry was to the development of Southwest Louisiana and the impact it had on the rest of the world. Yes, the rest of the world. On the same property, right next door to the museum, is the Henning Cultural Center, presenting some of the most interesting, modern, and culturally relevant local art shows I've ever seen. My dear friend Tom Trahan and the Brimstone Historical Society have really worked hard to give us this treasure, and it's a multifaceted jewel that I plan to take advantage of more often. You don't have to wonder what their hours are, or how to get there, or what shows are coming up. Just go to brimstonemuseum.org, like I did, and subscribe to their mailing list right there on the homepage. That's brimstonemuseum.org. Tom will make sure you start getting the announcements for each and every new show at the gallery. But you don't have to wait for the mail to arrive to enjoy this historical local treasure. You don't have to be guilty, like me, of overlooking a local wonder that conveniently sits next to the Grove, one of the most beautiful walking parks in southwest Louisiana. Drop in and say hi to Tom for me. Tour the museum and center, and make sure to tell Tom that you heard about Brimstone Museum on Find the Good News. Now, let's take that dive in the fishbowl. 
running to let my dog back in the house because yeah. she's staring at my back door. <laughs> I can still hear you. Well, I think we're probably good to move into the fishbowl anyway, so that's a good time. The dog the dog signaled the fishbowl. What is the fishbowl? I know. You've never got to play this. You were one of the first guests on the podcast, okay. so this is the fishbowl. You've probably seen it at my office. Okay. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. So all the, you know, when we first started finding the good news, you were one of those guinea pig guests. You know, you agreed to come in and do it, and it was like, "What is this?" You know. But um, yeah, I'm going back to all you guys, a lot of the older guests that were on in the at the beginning, and I I realized I think original, not older. Yes. I just had a birthday. Original guests. Older. Yeah, you were an OG, uh, good newsy, and. Y'all didn't get to play the fishbowl. So what? What the little short story of what happened was when I was building the podcast, I had this whole long list of interview questions that I wanted to ask every guest, and I had this idea I that you were I was working on that. What's that? I remember you working on like yeah. some general questions. Yeah, and it was like it kept growing and growing, and I was sharing it with with a few close confidants, and they were like, "Hey, these are good questions." What I was realizing, though, is when I would get in the conversation, like with you and Mickey Smith right at the beginning, since y'all were the first two guests, I didn't ask any of those questions. Naturally, right. it just I did not flow. I remember you asking me anything specifically other than what makes me do good. Yeah. And it just sort of took off from there, right? And so I, I realized after a few takes, I said, you know, this is not working because I don't, I don't like how when you look down at a question, how it stalls the energy of the conversation. Yeah. So I cut all those, I took, printed those questions out, cut them all up, stuck them in this fishbowl. And gotcha. then I started asking other people to send me questions. And so it started blossoming from there. So it's full of just like 400 okay. plus questions. And so every drum roll. Yeah, every guest. So here we go. All right. If I don't like it, can I like take a dare or get a yeah, different Yeah, I'll draw a different card. But okay. I'm going to uh, I'm going to draw for you. So every guest draws 3 and we just we just see how it goes. It's scary. Okay. All right, here we go. First question. What's something you disagree with about the way you were raised? Um, my kids and I actually talk about this quite a bit when, and I had fantastic parents. So let me preface this with, I had fantastic parents. Um, but we were not allowed to argue with my mom about anything ever. What she said went and you did not say boo about it. Mm. That was it. Um, and so I, and that was very frustrating for me. Like, can we, I wanted to be able to have a discussion about things because maybe she didn't see it from my point of view or maybe I didn't see it from hers because there wasn't an explanation either. It was do as I say and that's it. Um, so I try to let my kids, and I've always told them, if you disagree with a rule or a policy, talk to me about it. But you have to come at me with more than because my friends can do it. Um, that's not enough. But if you can back up your argument, I'm happy to listen. I may not change my mind, but we can talk about it. But you have to do it respectfully. I love that. I actually understand that. Um, I don't really know if I, how safely I can get into it because I would have to tell somebody else's business. But I kind of had a similar experience, not necessarily in childhood, but young adulthood. And we had a completely different point of view. And I've, I've always been an explainer. When I fuss at my kids, and I mean, I don't really just ever just point my finger and fuss. I've never been that way. I'm like, hey, you can't do that, but I'm also going to explain it to you. And, right. you know, my contention with the other was that, hey, they wanted to say, no, I'm the grown up in the end. And I know a lot yeah. of people have different views about this, but I, I lean more in your direction. I'm like totally open for discussion. 
You now, know. if you're disrespectful or rude, we're, our conversation is done. I'm not entertaining that. If you have a meltdown in wine, we're not doing that. Yeah. And like I said, your reasoning has to be more than, but my friends are allowed to. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, even find, I look for that same thing you're talking about right there, that character trait. I look for that in my leaders in the world. I mean, I always have, whether it's a pastor, a counselor, a doctor, a coworker, a boss, a president, uh, you know, a, a representative. I look for that trait. Are you willing to have some kind of civil dialogue about things? I mean, even if you have a different point of view, are you willing to have a discussion? Because if you go straight to balling up your fist, pursing your lips and name calling, we're, we're not going to have be able to do this. I'm we're not, gonna I'm not going to entertain it. Yeah. I, I agree with you on that. And, I think it's a good trait. Of us are going to learn or grow from that interaction. Right. Uh, so I think we need to approach every conversation with everyone as we have something to learn from them. Yeah. Um, no matter who they are, or their education or whatever. And I think we should extend that to our kids as well because they might look at things differently and they might have a great point. And we have altered our policies based on feedback from our kids. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, we have too. Yeah. I, I agree. Yeah. Talk about it. We can work something out. See if it works for the whole unit. I, I love it. That's great. I love that answer. Actually. That was a good question. No, so, my parents were amazing and I had to warn my parents. Um, yeah. So you I, weren't like I, screaming I at your mom going, you fascist dictator. No, 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 no. <laughs> knew i would have been so grounded oh my gosh oh i know i i had a my very dad, strict yeah my dad could be hard he could be very liberal too oddly enough but he was he was hard in some respects about some things so i get very that strict, but all three of us are good grown-ups we're all contributing to society and you know and happy healthy stable relationships so yeah. you know they they did something right yeah for sure no doubt. I mean, I can see that in you for sure. All right. You ready for your second question? Yeah, let's do it. Right. It's a bigger question, oddly enough, okay. but you might have the, an answer ready to go. What does your perfect day look like? <sighs> Did you ever see the movie Miss Congeniality? Makes me think of the question in that oh, movie. Oh, is that the one with Sandra Bullock? She's at the, yeah, the girl. She's in the Miss America patch. It's like April 15th. It's not too hot, not too cold. You just need a light sweater. <laughs> Um, my perfect day involves no alarm clock. Mm. I'm an early riser on my own, but no alarm clock. Um, I like, I like being outside. Now that being said, I don't want to be sweaty. So mm. the temperature doesn't come into play, but I love just a day on the beach with a stack of books. Um, I love, you know, we've gone on vacation to the mountains and days my favorite days looking back on my time with my kids have been days when we've just spent hiking in the mountains with no agenda, um, and a backpack lunch. So those have been my favorite days. Yeah, that sounds wonderful. You and I are similar. I, I like the sound of the beach. It's not my favorite environment, but I, I, th I find the beach to be soothing. I love reading, so I can relate to what you're saying. The mountains, I, I'm, I'm in. The beach. Really? He says there's too much, too much sand. Oh, um, I like it. I, I have to just know I'm going, you know, like I prepare for it. I love taking my shoes off and just feeling it under my feet and yes, wind on the, your skin. Yeah. Love it. The tingly feeling of the sun on you. Yeah. Love it. But I'm like you as well. I like a little cooler temperature because I don't like to be sweaty. Um, so I prefer to any outdoor activity. The summer for me, I don't enjoy a lot of that unless I'm canoeing and I know it's just like, hey, I'm, I, it doesn't matter. I'm going to be sweating and drinking water. Sweaty. 
Yeah, but like if I were hiking in the mountains, I don't much like it when it's super hot and stuff like that. But that we sounds decided, like a nice day. We brought the kids to San Diego two summers ago. And after that trip, Michael came home and goes, that's it. We're not bringing our kids to any more cities. It's, I'm not doing it. So we take our vacation somewhere where we can be outside and we're not worried about keeping Everett out of oncoming traffic. Um, (laughs) We can just kind of have some freedom to roam. Yeah. Uh, So those are our favorite days. Those are, that sounds great. I like that day. I can definitely, can I come? (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Once, once all the travel restrictions are lifted, sure. Let's go to the mountains. All right. Team Hankins. I'll, I'll join in. I'll be a adopted team Hankins when we go. Uh, We're trying to work national parks. That's on my agenda. Yeah, now I am. We are doing that, actually. We went to Kasatchee. I used to go to Kasatchee a lot in my youth, so I've been taking my kids. So we did do that during this sort of time of distancing. Um, But there were not a lot of people out there, and we were all distant from each other. So there was no real interaction of any kind. And then um, this Saturday, we are going to go to um, Big Thicket and take the kids on a hike up in big thicket, you know, just to get changed. It's in Texas, about an hour and a half away. Um, it's really big. I got a bunch of trails. I mean, with a lot of vegetation, different wildlife, we're going to do the, the pitcher plant trail. Yeah. I can send you some links. It's a great place. Eben and I went a couple of years ago on a day hike and it was nice. There wasn't anybody out there. Um, and what's nice, I mean, there are some people that are saying you shouldn't be going anywhere like that. I mean, they're shine, shunning that. And I said, no, I, I completely disagree. You know, going out in the forest, even if I see a, a couple or a single person, we, we can keep our distance. I mean, it's not right. like we're in a crowd. I can totally, go hug. yeah, it's not like share the road. It's like share the forest. I mean, I can go 50 feet away from them and let them pass and get back on whatever we were doing. But yeah, y'all should check that out. They got a bunch of trails out there. I got some lakes and, you know, we're just trying to be careful when we do go out anywhere that we don't interact with surfaces, you know, like placards yeah. and tables or benches or anything like that. We just bring our own uh, ground mat and just mainly camp up on that yeah. when we huddle together. If you ever get the chance, bring the family to Glacier National Park in Montana. It Beautiful. is unbelievable. Really? We, we're dying to go back, but um, you have to plan it. And we didn't realize this. You have to plan it like 18 to 24 months in advance. Really? Yeah, because there's not a lot of places to stay. Oh, um, okay. But it, it was amazing. We were, we were planning a trip, a family trip this year in November. And, um, I mean, we still have it on the calendar, but I've kind of put a pause on it because honestly, the truth of the matter is, I mean, a lot of that is contingent on what kind of money, what money looks like. I mean, after all this is over, everything right now is paused. Yeah. That's why I say, you know, our industry being stuck in, in a lot of tourism and travel, it definitely, we're feeling it. And, you know, and I was kind of halfway joking and I don't mean this in an ugly way. It's probably going to sound that way, but I, I was really kind of halfway joking. I said, you know, nobody's throwing a special day for uh, small advertising agencies to go support your small <laughs> advertising agency. You know what I mean? We don't have any way to do that. It's just like, Hey, make it or break it. Right. You know, if you, if you survive, yeah. good for you. If you don't, Hey, go do something else. I mean, that's really kind of what everybody's playing. <laughs> so I'm trying to really think through what that could look like. Should this go on, you know, but anyway, that gets awful track. I want to get back to these questions. Cause there's a, <laughs> another question. Okay. One, one last question, possible solutions to personal challenges you may be facing. 
possible solutions to personal challenges I may be facing. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's a tough one with like trying to identify the easiest personal challenge at the moment to talk about. Um, you know, right now it's homeschooling my kids. Yeah. And as much as I like to teach, I like teaching high school, <laughs> um, <laughs> not elementary school. And first grade phonics is really different than when I was in school. So solutions for that, you know, we're taking it one day at a time. We're taking lots of breaks and I'm calling my friends who are teachers saying, Hey, give me a, what would you do with this? Um, so, you know, I'm calling in, calling in my resources who know better than I do and then trying not to take it so seriously. Like if we don't master this, it's going to be okay. Right. Because I know we're not the only ones not mastering it. Right. You know, all the kids out there are going to be struggling a bit. So I'm trying not to get too caught up in we're, we're going to do the best, best we can and that's going to be good enough. You know what? I mean, again, there you go. That kind of gets back to what I was talking about earlier. It's elastic compassion. You have to have elastic compassion for yourself right now when you're dealing with that. If we don't get it, it's elastic enough that we can – work on it you know it's not rigid because right now yeah. these are not man there's, an, there's an not rigid times we got to be flexible because things are going to shift we have to be able to bend yeah um the rest of our current personal com or personal conflicts or issues right now are things that i can't control i can't you know you said you're an advertising agency my husband owns a real estate development company yeah nobody's developing real estate at the moment right and um, nobody's starting to go fund me either and, right <laughs> For that. Yeah, so, um, you know, everything's just on pause, and all we can do right now is yeah. do our best yeah. and try to be kind to ourselves and our neighbors and our children. And um, my kids are coming in asking for Capri Suns. It's yep, time, man. We're happy we, right now. Get your Capri Sun. We talked just the perfect amount of time. We got the, the Capri Sun uh, Time's Up warning. No, that's that's per. I know what you're saying. I mean, it is. It's it's just what that was great advice. What you just said, actually. I mean, you know, we just have to be kind and compassionate right now. I mean, I, I really believe if we lean on those things now more than ever, the world can be. It, all this will pass, and we'll remember and hopefully change. I really do hope that. I I hope we start seeing in, that in our leaders. I really do. And we are in some, I just want to see that. I'm looking for that. I'm our leaders, but in, in my peers and my friends yeah, who are yeah. parroting bad information they got without fact checking their sources. Can yeah. we all learn to check our sources? Right. And teach our children to be thinkers and not just gobble up whatever was spoon fed to them and spit it right back out, but to really research whatever was said and make sure they understand it and understand the outcomes of that and the consequences. So that's one of the, you know, I'm letting my kids watch the news with me in the morning, but we're talking about each part of it and trying to get the good information, showing them how to go to the world world world. I can't talk world health organization or CDC's website. So let's find the good information. Let's make sure we actually know what we're talking about. Let's find the good news. There you go. Yeah. That's a great, yeah. Uh, all right. Well, that's a good place to put a pin in it. I, I love that, and I agree. Um, Carrie, thank you so much. This is good to see you. Honestly, it you was too. really great Y'all to just see your face. You too. And if you need anything, Bye. let us know. Bye-bye. You too. Bye bye. You too. Bye.
Thanks for listening to my Beacon Series conversation with Carrie Hankins. If you found something of use in this conversation, consider helping me spread the good news by supporting Find the Good News at patreon.com slash findthegoodnews. I thank you for pressing play.